After being the top performing investments over the past 20 years, tech stocks hitting a wall in 2022, with the Nasdaq, the world's leading index for tech companies, dropping by 33%. Investors breathing a sigh of relief in the first six months of this year as the launch of generative AI's golden child, ChatGPT, spurred the tech-heavy Nasdaq to rise by nearly 40%. But with persistent macroeconomic headwinds like rising interest rates and stubborn inflation, does the tech comeback actually have legs? This is no ordinary Wednesday. It's our in-depth look at what's driving markets, shaping the economy, changing the game. I'm Jeremy Maggs. A warm welcome. On today's show, we'll talk to Simon Lapthorne, a senior research analyst for Investec Wealth and Investment UK, about the outlook for the tech sector and whether the AI euphoria is actually going to last. Simon, in London, a very warm welcome then. And I want to start this conversation by going back a year. And if you could maybe just sum up for our listeners why tech stock valuations plummeted so dramatically in 2022. Uh, Yes. Hello. I think there are two reasons for that primarily. First is that a large number of tech stocks performed incredibly well during the coronavirus pandemic years, as our people felt we were all going to live our lives virtually, the digitalization program was accelerating. The chief executive of Microsoft was saying we had two years of technological innovation in two months and so on and so forth. So it was a, a huge deal of enthusiasm for a lot of tech-related things during the pandemic years. And then as that ended, I think there was a little bit of a hangover as, as some of those trends didn't carry on as people had expected. There was a little bit of an unwinding of some of the trades that had been going on. So that was one aspect to it. And the other aspect was a purely financial one, is that in late 2021, middle of November, that's when the NASDAQ market peaked. And that was in anticipation of a turn in the interest rate cycle that the Federal Reserve would start raising interest rates, which it duly did, and has been raising them ever since. And that has an arithmetic effect on valuations. A lot of these tech companies are going to make a lot of their lifetime earnings in future years. They're very fast growth. And when you discount those future earnings back to present day values at a higher interest rate, a higher discount rate, that leads to lower valuations. And that affects fast growing tech companies more than lower growth companies because a higher proportion of their earnings are being discounted at a higher rate. So those were the two factors that really drove the big sell-off in tech that we saw in 2022. So let's fast forward now, if we can. Something has happened in 2023. Why are we seeing this uh, big bounce back, particularly for US big tech? Yeah, so I think three things have happened. uh, And I guess it started late 2022. Two of those things are one is that that post-COVID hangover has partially worked its way or to a large extent worked its way through the system. Investors have kind of reappraised and and rebased their expectations. Uh, The second is that we are now much, much closer, if not at the end of the interest rate tightening cycle than we were. So that's kind of the reversal of the two factors that were behind the downturn in 2022. And the third thing is the subject everybody is talking about, uh, which is artificial intelligence, which kind of uh, exploded into the public consciousness in late 2022 with Microsoft's big reveal of ChatGPT in its search engine Bing. And really, AI has been a massive driver of enthusiasm for tech shares since then, right through to, to where we sit now. 
I want to get your thoughts a little further on AI in just a moment, but this horrible descriptor fangs, Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, and Google, constantly, as we know, among the highest growth stocks in the market. But Netflix has been uh, shown the door. Is there a reason for that? Uh, well, I'm glad you used the word horrible because it saves me doing it. I absolutely hate this. <laughs> absolutely hate this acronym. And it, it's it's pretty much a media construct. It's a handy shorthand. The media likes handy shorthands. I mean, it, it just deconstructs it first. Um, so there's five companies there. One of those is actually listed in the tech sector. That's Apple. One is a retailer, Amazon, although in fairness, and it generates most of its profits or all of its profits from its tech business, the, the web services. And then you've got three communication services business or frankly media businesses. So before I answer Netflix point, I mean, what actually constitutes a tech company? And to my mind, a tech company is either something that sells technology, something like a Microsoft or an Apple, or sells something else, but its ability to do so is predicated on its ownership of differentiated proprietary technology. So you could argue that Facebook and, and Google fit into that bracket because they're selling advertising, but their ability to do so in the way they do is, is, is based on their technology. And Netflix, in the early days, I guess that technology was differentiated and proprietary. It's not particularly differentiated these days. If I was to give you the flippant answer to, to the question, why has Netflix been booted, uh, is that it's made the mistake of having a name beginning with A. Because people love the acronym, the FANGS acronym, and poor old Netflix has been usurped by NVIDIA, the designer of the chips that go into the AI processors. So people now talk about the fans, but NVIDIA is the end rather than is Netflix. The slightly more sensible answer, I suppose, is it's not so bad for Netflix. It went through a period of being out of favor because of this pandemic boost. It had a big boost in the pandemic and then that hangover came in as we, as we spoke about. And then there's some changes to its business model, which is always challenging for companies, introducing the ad-funded tier and then cracking down on the, the password sharing and trying to introduce a, a kind of legitimate way of doing that. And actually, those things have all landed quite well. And the stock has um, quietly been outperforming NASDAQ for the last year. But I think it's you know the reason it's fallen out of favor in terms of this, this kind of media construct around the fans is partly a feeling by comparison with things that look more exciting at the moment, to be honest. I think if I was Netflix, I'd be quite pleased probably not to be in that rather spurious bracket. Simon, you referenced uh, NVIDIA. Uh, it's the AI computer chip maker. And these figures are fairly impressive, up by 186% this year. And as you say, earning a place in this elite club. Is it going to maintain that position, do you think, through the rest of 2023? What's the risk quotient there? Well, if you're asking me, is NVIDIA going to be the best performing tech stock for the rest of 2023? You'll forgive me if I dodge that question. But uh, to give it a little bit of context, what really sort of set the whole thing on fire with NVIDIA and with AI was its uh, earnings report in May, not so much the earnings themselves, but its outlook where it highlighted that demand for the chips that power the computers that do AI was kind of off the scale compared with people's expectations. And that it expected that demand to remain very, very strong for several quarters. And it's frankly struggling to keep up with that demand. It is pretty much the only game in town as far as these processes are concerned. And certainly in terms of the, without wanting to get too much into the, the technical weeds, the full stack offering, so the hardware, software, and networking that you need 
to knit together to power AI. It really is the only option. And so without wanting to predict where the NVIDIA share price will go over the remainder of the year, I think it is very much going to be in the forefront of investors' minds as this very, very strong demand for its chips looks set to continue for several quarters. Simon, we love a bit of hyperbole on this podcast, so let's go back to uh, artificial intelligence if we can. One private investment firm chief executive saying AI, and I quote, is going to be the greatest wealth creator in history. What's your view? Is it going to be another flash in the pan like metaverse and maybe even cryptocurrencies, or is there a bit of staying power here? I think the greatest wealth creator in history may not be that hyperbolic, you know. It is going to be very, very profound. So, First point, to address the premise of the question about cryptocurrencies and metaverse, I wouldn't necessarily be writing those things off. There's a a familiar concept in the tech sector called the hype cycle, where new technologies come along from a standing start, expectations get built up, built up, built up, and stock prices or other measures of expectation, if you like, get wrapped up to very high levels. And then something happens, something emerges that sort of takes the wind out of the sails, you know, uh, maybe... Some of the, the enabling technologies aren't developing quickly enough. Maybe there's a you know difficulty in converting a brilliant technology into commercially viable, saleable product. Something intervenes and those expectations plummet, and everybody writes it all off. And then it turns out you know they've actually got a bit too far. Without the problems that cause that fall are solved, and thing has a second coming and potentially a, a very successful. Future. So I think it's too early to write off metaverse and, and cryptocurrencies from that point of view. Uh, the question then for AI is, are we in a hype phase? And I certainly think in the short term, there is scope for something to happen that takes a bit of the wind out of the sails. But I think the fundamentals are there and are likely to remain for a very long time. There are potential challenges which we may come on to discuss. So is it the greatest wealth creator in history? Well, I think thing to that's very important to remember about AI is that it's a general purpose technology. You could liken it to the internet, the smartphone, even to the advent of something like electricity that has profound implications across industries. It's not just about tech. It's about what it does for other industries. So what we'd call non-domain specific applications. Every company in the world has pretty much a sales function, a marketing function, admin, IT, HR, accounting, all of those things. And they can all be massively improved in terms of their productivity by the application of AI. I think Goldman Sachs or one of the big investment banks has said they think it could add 7% to global GDP by, I think, 2030. And it could be a real game changer for productivity, which has been a real problem for a number of the big developed Western economies. So the greatest wealth creator in history, that is certainly not the most hyperbolic thing I've heard said about AI. Simon, you upset a lot of people when you made the reference to electricity. We don't have too much of that in in Johannesburg at the moment. I am going to ask you to hold on to your fangs. We are going to continue this important conversation in just a moment. Just a quick reminder that if you're enjoying this program, please take a moment to rate our channel. It's Investec Focus Radio SA on your podcast platform of choice. 
Simon, let's continue talking about artificial intelligence. Before the break, you referenced challenges. So let's start talking about that, about the the short-term future. But also Microsoft, ChatGPT, still leading the way when it comes to generative AI. But there surely is more on the horizon. Yeah, I think certainly in the public perception, Microsoft is the clear leader in AI, partly, I think for two reasons, partly because it was the first to really impinge itself on on public consciousness with the launch of ChatGPT late last year and incorporating it into its search engine Bing. And it was seen to have stolen a march on Google, which probably up to that point was the company, or Alphabet, the company that most people felt was you know more advanced in AI. And I did read somewhere that the reason Alphabet or Google hadn't incorporated AI into its search business sooner was that they were concerned about it delivering inaccurate results. And that is certainly true about the large language models that are trained on the public internet. They're designed to provide plausible next words, not necessarily accurate answers. So I think Microsoft has that very high profile. And also Microsoft is already incorporating uh, generative AI into its suite of productivity applications. So people are using them and they can associate them with Microsoft and they're charging premium prices for them. And in terms of the large language models that underlie it, I don't think Microsoft is by any means the only game in town. You've got a lot of work going on at Alphabet. Uh, Apple is developing a large language model and and Meta also. So I think there will be in time probably a number, a relatively small number, because it requires a great deal of investment, a great deal of expertise, it requires scale, but probably a, a relatively small number of major AI models like ChatGPT. So I think there's room for more than one, but certainly Microsoft is one of the leading players. And AI is woven into the sort of the fabric of pretty much everything Microsoft does as well. The entire concept, uh, Simon, has become in a very short space of time enmeshed in our lives. I'm wondering if there's anything that might halt the rapid progress of artificial intelligence, though. There are a lot of things to consider, actually. But I come back to something I touched on a minute ago about these models trained on the public internet being designed by plausible next words rather than accurate answers or hallucinations, as they're called. They're also subject to a lot of bias because they're trained on information that has been put onto the public internet over a period of years, and that will demonstrate historic biases. So if you ask ChatGPT or, or its equivalent that works in graphics to give you a picture of a certain type of person, you'll find the likelihood is that um, doctors are men, nurses are women, CEOs are white, and investment analysts wear glasses, a comment which, um, because this is audio only, uh, may be lost on your audience. Um, (laughs) So you have those biases in not accurate answers. So there are a lot of applications for which it isn't necessarily as, uh, as useful as people kind of first thought. So I think Maybe there's some recalibration necessary. Having said that, you know, these things are advancing at an extraordinary pace. I think the bigger risk areas are around authenticity. It's possible to you know, effectively impersonate people. It is possible to create, we've seen the deep fakes, the pictures of the Pope in a puffer jacket and so on. You can use AI using a tiny snippet of somebody's voice to recreate their voice. So that can be used to impersonate people. A lot of companies use voice recognition as a, a screening tool to identify that the people calling are the clients who they say they are. 
So I think there's a lot of risk around theft, copyright infringement, around fake news, privacy, authenticity, uh, those sorts of things. And I think I read somewhere quite recently that scientists somewhere had managed to hack the, the data security of NVIDIA's chips. So I think there are potential risks. And there's, you know, there is the potential for a very serious mishap. I mean, these tend to be thought of as things of science fiction, but bad apps potentially could do dreadful things with pathogens. That's one of the areas that is being discussed. And there are a lot of you know, pretty intelligent people in the field of AI who think it should be quite tightly regulated to prevent potential mishaps occurring. So I think governments certainly will seek to to regulate AI, and that may be something that it's not stop it dead in its tracks, I don't think, but something that may act as a little bit of a, a road bump on the way. And, and I suspect there's going to be a lot of legal battles to come as well. So, Simon, let's bring the conversation back now to investment. And I think it would be common cause then that the risk of investing in AI stocks would be high. But I suspect you'll tell me that if investors are willing to take the plunge, there might be reward. But how do you discern winners from losers at this time in such a fast-moving and unpredictable environment? Yeah, it's a very difficult one. I think if you want to play the theme of AI, there's kind of a a, a risk-reward spectrum. The, the, The higher the potential reward, so the purer the exposure to AI of something you're investing in, the higher the risk. Because a lot of elements of the kind of the value chain in AI, we don't know whether they're going to be winner-take-all markets, multiplayer markets. And if you invest in something very, very niche, that tends to come with higher risk. I think companies like Microsoft and Alphabet and Meta and Amazon and Apple are, you know, very nicely exposed to AI, but it isn't all of their business. So if you invest in something that has an AI angle, but it isn't the be-all and end-all, that helps to de-risk it. And, and if you're not sure about part of the market, whether it's going to become winner-take-all or not, there's the supply chain, the picks and shovels merchants to gold prospectors. So companies like NVIDIA that makes chips, well, it doesn't matter whose models dominate, if one model does come to dominate, Whoever wins that battle for the AI engine, if you like, NVIDIA will be providing the chips that do the processing. And you can go further down the supply chain to companies that make the machines, that make the chips, that go into the computers, that do the processing, and the networking and and peripheral areas if you're not sure who's going to win. So there's a number of different ways to approach it and reduce the risks, but you do tend to reduce the, the purity of the exposure to the feed if you do that. And just finally then, and maybe this would uh, put fear into many people's hearts, the impact of artificial intelligence on the way in which we are making investment decisions. Is this at a nascent phase or is there a trust that is starting to be developed in this approach? Well, I think I'll answer that in a number of different ways. In terms of, do I have a tool on my desktop? Well, I can say chat GPT, should I buy NVIDIA, should I buy ASML, should I buy Microsoft, should I buy Apple? Absolutely not. We don't have anything like that, certainly at the moment. There's quite a lot of artificial intelligence is used in some of the data inputs that we get in terms of you know the likely movements in share prices on an earnings report given an analysis of previous patents and so on and so forth, but they tend to be quite 
niche and quite short-term focused. In terms of you know, a fundamental investment case, we're, we're miles and miles away from using AI to do that. A more general point or two more general points I'd make, though. One is that we as an organization are using uh, generative AI in that non-domain specific sense that I referred to earlier to help productivity. So to the extent that you can improve your productivity, that frees up time to spend on the important business of analyzing alternative investment opportunities, making, we would hope, better investment decisions. Uh, But another thing that's going on is that it seems pretty clear that every company in every sector to maintain competitive advantage or even to keep up with its competitors is going to have to invest in AI. I read somewhere somebody said in the future there are going to be two kinds of companies, those that have embraced AI and those that don't exist any longer, which is, again, a slightly hyperbolic way of putting it. So what we're doing is all of the companies that we're meeting and talking to not just the companies in the tech sector, we're talking about AI. Look, what are you doing with AI to keep ahead of the pack or keep up with the pack if you're only in the pack? So, yeah, there's those three dimensions to it. But in terms of, you know, specific application on the desktop that helps me decide by Apple, by Microsoft, whatever, we don't use that uh, at the moment. Simon Lapthorne, thank you very much indeed. If any of our listeners are interested in getting more of Simon's insights, uh, he's written an outstanding article that you can find on focus.investec.com. Simply search for generative AI, and I can absolutely assure you that he wrote it himself, that there was no help from the push of a button. Simon, thank you so much, and I look forward to talking to you again. Please join us again in a fortnight as we continue to explore money trends shaping your world. If you haven't yet added us to your podcast feed search for investec focus radio essay wherever you get your podcasts and all you need to do is hit the subscribe button until next time goodbye from me jeremy mags and the entire focus radio team the views expressed are those of the contributors at the time of publication and do not necessarily represent the views of the firm and should not be taken as advice or recommendations Investec Limited and subsidiaries, authorized financial service providers, registered credit providers, and long-term insurer.